A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Tales. This is Mummy Work on Hello and welcome back to another episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I am your host Jordan and I am so pleased to have you here this week. I am kicking off this week with a, another recommendation so I hope you've been enjoying these. My one for this week is actually a book or an audiobook in the form that I have been listening to it uh, and it's called Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before and it's by Dr Julie Smith. It's got a heap of good stuff in there. Um, it's all about our emotions and our mindset and just the way that we experience life. Um, It's got a lot of stuff in there about low mood and motivation and anxiety and confidence. So um, yeah, I just am really enjoying it so far. I'm about uh, three quarters of the way through it in audiobook style. Uh, But that is my recommendation for the week. If you are looking for a new book, Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before by Dr. Julie Smith. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you give it a listen. This week's episode is brought to you by Your Birth Project. Your Birth Project is my online hypnobirthing course designed to support you to create your best birth. And it doesn't matter if you are planning a home birth or an elective C-section like our guest is (laughs) or was. Um, It doesn't matter what kind of birth you are planning or end up having. I am supporting you to create your best birth inclusive of all birth types and it is hypnobirthing techniques that will help you do that. So if you do the course I would love to know how you find it and I would love to hear your birth story so make sure that you send it to me. And Your Birth Project also has an online store so if you're New Zealand or Australian based you can pop onto the online store and find all the support that you need for pregnancy, birth and postpartum. So I hope that is super useful. In this week's episode, I am speaking with Beck, and I love Beck. I've followed her on Instagram for quite a while. She owns uh, an organized life, so make sure you go and find her on Instagram. But this week, I'm speaking with Beck about her pregnancy and birth story, and it is a really interesting one. She's got, um, yeah, lots of really interesting things that happen throughout her pregnancy and birth and postpartum period that we talk through. She does end up having an elective cesarean. We talk through making that decision, and... She did, you know, lots of different um, antenatal courses, including your birth project and how she sort of landed at deciding uh, she wanted to go with an elective cesarean, what her recovery was like, her breastfeeding journey. So we talked through it all. I hope you love the episode. I'd love to hear from you if you want to send me an email, kiwibirthtales at gmail.com and that's tales, T-A-L-E-S, or you can find me on Instagram at kiwibirthtales. All right, let's jump into the episode. Hey, Beck, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, so uh, my name's Beck Wadworth and I am the founder of An Organised Life. Um, I'm also the creative and brand director for Make Space, my partner's business. Uh, so in our house, there is my partner, Isaac, um, our beautiful baby girl, Isabella, and our English Springer Spaniel, Bo. <laughs> awesome cool and how old is is Isabella now she's three and a half months she's still tiny (laughs) so cute (laughs) yeah awesome very cool and do you want to talk us through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you and Isaac yeah so my journey was quite unique I think for multiple reasons um for me, it was third time lucky for um, for myself. I had two ectopic pregnancies before I fell pregnant with Isabella. Um, 
And my partner and I, we met at the end of 2020 um, and we fell in love instantly and we knew our relationship would move pretty fast. So we were just one of those couples. We were inseparable from the start. Um, and we always talked about having a family really early on. We were both really ready. Um, we were just waiting to meet the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it moved really quick. And after the second ectopic, um, I just wanted to spend some time processing everything and getting my body ready again and just back into a really good mindset um into into a good headspace I thought was really important um luckily I had a really good doctor and they kept me really positive um they said when I was ready to try again just to come back um as soon as I thought I was pregnant we'll do bloods um and we'll do a scan and so with my ectopic pregnancies I had really similar symptoms both times the first time I just got so overwhelmed ended up was really bad had to have surgery um the second one I knew straight away I had um all the same pains, negative pregnancy tests, number one at home. Uh, I had had my period for two weeks um, and then I felt like I had kind of like appendix pains and mm. stuff like that. So second time I got onto it straight away and we caught it really early and was all okay. Um, but obviously it's just still a bit of an overwhelming um, situation. So yeah, took my time with it. And then we started trying again in October and I actually fell pregnant straight away, which I think I just, um, I went into it in a really good headspace. Um, you know, it was like a really fun time of life. We had like come out of COVID. We were, um, yeah, it was just like really great time. Um, and I had completely different symptoms. I was nauseous. I had fatigue. I had sore boobs even before I'd done the test. So I just knew I was pregnant. Um, and then did the test and it was positive and yeah, we were just over the moon. Um, and then I called my doctor and went in for bloods and they confirmed everything, you know, that I was pregnant. Anyway, then I went to do my scan, um, which I thought I was six weeks and they could see there was something in my uterus, which was amazing but there was also something in my right ovary. Um, and they said I wasn't actually six weeks. I was more like five weeks. So I had to go back in 10 days to do another scan before they could confirm. Um, and for me, I remember it so clearly because it was COVID times. We had gone, but not, not super intense times, but for Auckland, it was still pretty intense and we couldn't have anyone at scans and things like that. Um, so, I was really lucky that they let me FaceTime Isaac. He was sitting Mm. in the car outside (laughs) Um, and I just felt really anxious because I thought if it was a third, some kind of third, you know, situation, it's really full on. So um, went back and they confirmed that I was pregnant and it, it all looked really good, but that I had a cyst in my right ovary. Um, and it was getting bigger, so it, it had grown a lot more since the first scan. But they said not to worry, and that um, usually they disappear, and it's just because I'd had the scans quite early on. Most people don't have them till a bit later, so they said if there is things like that, usually they disappear. Um, so I tried not to get into my head and just kind of focused mm. focused on the pregnancy. Um, I was just yeah so glad that it was you know nothing nothing kind of scary um, and that there was a proper pregnancy in there. Um, and then in the meantime, um, I had booked my first OB appointment. So I decided to go with an OB. 
um, multiple reasons. Um, I just felt a bit nervous after the ectopic pregnancies. Mm. Um, I wanted to have that really expert care. Um, I was nervous with the expense. Mm. <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't actually even find a midwife. It was so hard. Um, and I was on all the wait lists for the OB and everything anyway, but ended up getting in and um, had my first appointment and he confirmed the cyst in my ovary had actually got to nine by nine centimeters. So wow. it was the size of a tennis ball. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was eight weeks then. Um, and I had actually popped, like my tummy had popped. So it looked like I was about 16 weeks. Um, and he said to me that I had two choices, um, basically either keep it in and can get the size of a rugby ball. And he said, usually it, like your ovary ends up, out near your rib cage so he said I'd have this other bulge there um but he said it can be completely fine and people you know you'd have to have a c-section but people would um it's you know it's completely mm. okay or I get it surgery and get it removed but you can only do that between 14 and 16 weeks um so this was right before Christmas so he said go away have a think he said the one thing is if it if you do keep it in and it um you do have a small chance that it could twist and if it does it's really painful and they can only operate down your tummy not across after a certain you know time frame um so I went away and had Christmas and things like that with my family and really thought about it all. I remember calling just before Christmas. I had all these questions. So I called um, the obstetrician's um, receptionist and left all these questions. And he was just amazing, called and being me, being really organized. So I had this whole list of questions. And then he called me back that night and um, was just so helpful. And from that day on, I was just so happy. I had him, you know, as part of my journey, I felt like just made me feel so much more at ease. Um yeah, so I'm so glad that I had him. Um, and then I decided after Christmas to get the surgery. Uh, so I went to have one more scan and then to meet the surgeon. And when I went to the scan, it had actually halved in size, which he said he's never, ever seen, ever. He said after a certain week, I can't remember what week it was, there's no chance that it would decrease. It would only increase. And then for some reason, it decided to decrease. Um, <laughs> and so I didn't have to have the surgery. So I started off the pregnancy journey quite um in an intense way I would say mm. like it was it wasn't straightforward um but yeah. yeah it ended up that you know after that it was um it was amazing so um yeah that's how kind of the start of my journey started yeah yeah awesome and I guess with the ectopic pregnancies um just for anybody who maybe hasn't heard of that before or yeah doesn't sort of know what that is is there like do you want to sort of explain um what they did to found find out that it was ectopic and um yeah then what the sort of implications were and how it had to be removed or what happened from there yeah yeah so with the ectopic it basically gets stuck usually in the tube as far as I'm aware so mine were Mm. both on the left side so um it's hard to tell after an ectopic I think nowadays a lot of the time Uh, they probably do remove the tube, um, but sometimes they don't. And then it's quite hard to tell what the damage is. So uh, obviously the more you have, the the higher the risk goes up. And because mine were both on the left side. So um, as I said, the symptoms for me, I didn't realize, but I had a cycle and it was, my bleeding was for a long period of time. It was Mm. like 12 to 14 days. Um, I had those pains and uh, what was the other thing I said? I've already gotten 
brain fog already. Um, but <laughs> there were a few things in there um, yeah. on negative pregnancy tests. That's right. Because yeah. I thought, like, I did have kind of funny pains. My period, my period was late, um, and I thought, oh, maybe I'm pregnant. But all my tests were coming back negative, um, and then yeah, kind of then that went into the bleeding, and and I thought, oh no, I've got my period. It's fine. Um, and then I went, I got pains, and then from there, that's when it can kind of escalate. So mm-hmm. if you get it really early on, they kind of half that you have to kind of ask for blood tests. Um, like I, I knew and I went to my doctor and, you know, they said, oh, we don't think you are, but we'll do the bloods in case. And because I got it so early on, mm-hmm. I was. Um, so if you get it early on, mine actually uh, happened quite, quite naturally and it filtered through on its own. I didn't have to get anything done, but you do have to get surgeries and things like that if it, if it doesn't do that, yeah. um, which I did with the first one. So it's just keyhole surgery. Um, but yeah, that's just another whole you know, scenario to go yeah. through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really good thing to know about because I think obviously naturally once you have that bleeding, you naturally think it's your period and mm. sometimes um, it's not. So it's a good thing to kind of keep in the back of your mind if you are trying. Yeah. Um, and it did, it felt like appendix pain. So I thought I had appendicitis or something like that. Mm. Um, and it was really, it was on the left side quite mm. severely. So yeah, that's that's kind of where that came through. So um, yeah. Yeah, but I was grateful that the right side was still okay. So <laughs> my OB said my left side's obviously pretty damaged. So mm-hmm. um, he said, yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. I didn't have the tube taken out that now looking back on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's okay. We just kind of have to focus on the right side and hope that's okay for next time. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so deciding to go with OB care, did you do all of the sort of standard testing that was offered to you? And yeah, what did that look like? Yeah, so I did everything they suggested. Um, I found the process really good. I'm all about a methodical process, um, <laughs> being myself and being organized. Um, so I really loved it. I felt like it was a really, uh, you know, streamlined process. Um, I found their care really incredible. Um, there were just, you know, after the first catch up, you just have little small catch ups. I did all the tests uh, that they recommended, and I also did obviously more scans at the start uh, with everything going on. Um, uh, but then I did the um, blood test as well to find out the gender and all this, you know, all the extra bits and pieces like that. Um, yeah, so I did everything and anything. I don't think there was anything I didn't do. <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, it was just peace of mind, which, yeah, which is something that um, helped me on my journey. Yeah, awesome. And did you like feel much different across your three trimesters? Did you have many symptoms that sort of played out in the first? And then, yeah, what did the rest of your pregnancy look like? Yeah, I think um, first trimester, it's a tricky one. I um, actually found that so much harder than, you know, I had obviously, I'd been listening to your podcast. I heard all these stories and I found it, it's it's so life-changing. You see that positive um, mark on your test and then suddenly your whole life changes in an instant. And I found it all consuming. I felt, mm. and also you're not telling anyone. So it's you all in your head, just with you and your partner. And um, I wasn't really prepared for how much of an overwhelming, you know, feeling I would, I would get from that. Mm. Um, I obviously felt really nauseous. I kind of had those, all those stock standard symptoms in my first trimester. I had the nausea, really severe fatigue, Um I had sore boobs. <laughs> uh, my bladder became weak already. 
Um, what else did I have? I had actually the one of the weird symptoms was I had quite bad rosacea straight away and mm. pregnancy, like hormonal acne, which just got worse and worse and worse over my pregnancy, which obviously it was fine. I just covered it up with tinted moisturizer and, you know, got on my way. But um, yeah, that's been, that was quite a unique one that I mm. didn't know a lot about. But um, yeah, now I just have, I've just had to strip back all my skincare and it's um kind of started to slowly go back to normal post um post birth um and then I also got round ligament pains at the end of my first trimester as my bump kind of started to come through uh and I got a support belt for that um and then second trimester I absolutely loved I (laughs) felt like my nausea and fatigue and everything kind of started to subside end of first trimester I ended up getting anti-nausea tablets at week eight and then that kind of subsided at maybe week 11 or 12. Um, and then, yeah, love second trimester. I just got all my energy back, which everyone had mm. said, you know, quite quite commonly that happens. Um, I really focused on work in second trimester. I, running my own business, I really wanted to get as far ahead as I possibly could so that I could have some time off and not feel stressed. So mm. I really focused on um getting as much work done as I could I did really late nights which obviously isn't ideal but for me it was worth it when I had those energy levels um, at an all-time high um and then yeah I feel like all the all the bad things like the good it just is so much better when you start to feel those flutters Mm -hmm. and the kicks and everything and I, I remember feeling that around 16 weeks and then just feeling like I absolutely loved from then on because you just it felt so much more real um and then I just loved the journey from from then on so second trimester yeah it was great we did the kinder app um where you pick the name so we picked the name at about 16 weeks it was Isabella was the one name we both landed on um and then we landed on all the nicknames like Bella, (laughs) Belle, um, Izzy those were all in our kind of joint names that we selected um so that was fun. And then coming into the end of the second trimester and entering the third, I guess that's when more symptoms popped up um, and you get more aches and pains and things like that. Um, Isabella also went breach at about 24 weeks, which was was still okay. I wasn't too concerned, but obviously you get the kicks and things in different places mm-hmm. and a bit more aches and pains in different places and things like that. And it also made my bladder really weak. Um which was one of the worst symptoms of pregnancy (laughs) yeah, because I already felt like I had a semi-weak bladder, but this was next level. I felt it was, it made me not want to leave the house sometimes because it's just all, you know, it makes Mm. you quite self-conscious. You can't do anything. Um, You know, I went to a physio, I did the unity studios, which I loved um, for the 20 week foreigner fitness um, that they call it and went to them from then on and, you know, was doing all the exercises, um, but found that really hard. And it gave me a lot of anxiety around having a a vaginal birth. Um, Just thinking that if this is what my bladder is like now. Um, I was really nervous about the future. Um, And so that was something I kind of, yeah, had in the back of my mind for quite a while. Um, And then what else happened? Week 30, I flew to Sydney to see my team. I did two Sydney trips in my pregnancy. My team for an organized life is Sydney based. 
Um, so post COVID, I really wanted to see them. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I came back and my cup was so full. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden at week 31, I felt like I had been punched in the vagina. Um, <laughs> or it's, um, the one thing I say to, I said to friends was it's that feeling when you're young and you fall off your bike and you hit yes. the car. Yeah. It felt exactly like that. You kind of like have a bruised pubic bone. Mm. Um, and I had a physio appointment and I mentioned it to her not even thinking anything I just she's you know you're chatting away and she said uh do you mind if I examine you and and you know see what's going on and I you know that was all fine and she actually said that I had a varicose vein in my vulva which I had never heard of (laughs) and then um started googling and all sorts and she said it's it had basically could have one of the things that could have triggered it was the flying because I flew to Sydney um, just with the altitude and everything. She said if it was kind of there, then that, you know, can can make it worse. Um, and I found that really hard. It, it, I really struggled kind of going on walks and things like that. Um, but she suggested compression shorts and kind of icing when it was really bad and just being quite conscious of when it flares up and, is the most painful and taking it easy when when it is like that Mm. um but such a strange symptom of pregnancy (laughs) just not aware of if if everything you know everything else is tricky enough sometimes to add those types of things in a yeah you know it's a whole nother thing (laughs) yeah um, I um it's funny I I think you saw I got a message um about that like last week and People just don't talk about it, right? Because like, yeah. if you've ever had like a close friend or someone talk about it, it's not something that you just go and tell somebody that you've got. And then all of a sudden you get it in your pregnancy and you're like, holy shit, what is that? Um, that pain? Because, yeah, yeah, I think we just don't talk about it. And I wouldn't have thought the pain that it was. It felt more like my pubic bone, but it wasn't. Mm. It was, which is the most bizarre thing. Because, yeah. Yeah, and I found Googling this. I mean, Google is your best friend and worst friend with pregnancy, I feel. Um, But, yeah, it was hard to know exactly. So I'm so glad that I did, you know, talk to the physio. I talked to my OB Mm. um, and and kind of understood what it was and how I could work on that. But the the thing with that is you can't do anything until post-pregnancy. It usually goes away within Mm. the first six weeks naturally. Um, And so you just have to live with it you know, with, with yeah. that. Um, but yeah, you, I kind of got used to it. I think you just get used to mm. the aches and pains after a while and um, learn to live with it a bit. But mm. yeah, that was an interesting one for my third trimester. Yeah, the joys of pregnancy, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was kind of the main stuff with that. Um, yeah. I think obviously with the third trimester, um, with having that and with my bladder being so weak, I started to really favor uh, going for a C-section ideally uh, for me personally. Um, I tried to stay really open-minded, but um, there, just the way that my brain works, um, for me, there was just so many variations of mm. the vaginal birth. Um, and I had my OB put it into really good context and he said, you know, the dream birth is to have a vaginal birth and a really good recovery. Um, The worst birth is a bad vaginal birth and really bad recovery. And the medium is a Mm C-section. Obviously you can, um, you know, there's good and bad variations, but um, I was, I remember talking to him and, you know, he was asking me how I was feeling. And I said to him, I am so scared to have a vaginal birth. And I said, it's, I know that it sounds ridiculous because it's so natural and women do it every single day. And I think it's amazing. But for me personally, with how weak my bladder was, the vein in my vulva, um, 
just my general anxiety around it, I said to him, I, I, I don't feel in control and mm. it's really stressing me out and it's just my personality type, but it was causing me a lot of, you know, sleepless nights. I was just thinking of all these different scenarios. I was trying to prep for them all mm. and there's just, you can't, it's just out of your control. Um, and he was really good and said, you know, let's see how you feel when you, when we do your birth plan. Um, you know, I did antenatal. I learned everything and everything, any, everything and anything, tried to be really open-minded um, and then, yeah, when we got to that 36 weeks, he was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, I've got to have a C-section. <laughs> There's no way. I'm just, yeah. I can't, I can't do it. I'm so scared. And, um, he, I think it wasn't even, I know, I, I know that I would be strong enough to do it. It was the after, like yeah. I was really, really stressed about a lifetime of a week, you know, a week bladder having to wear pads yes. every single day and things like that. And, it was that that was stressing me out. I know, you know, I know I could do it. I know that mm. women are amazing. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I knew I just had to do the C-section. Yeah. Um, and it was much more methodical and something I could prep for mentally as mm. well as physically. So um, yeah, which I felt so much better once I had yeah. kind of, you know, come to that conclusion mm. um, and realized that that was what my journey was going to be. Um, yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so when you were planning, um, I guess, the C-section and what that would look like for you, do you want to talk us through the lead up to that? And did you have, like, did your OB give you a date? And um, yeah, what were your plans around your birth? Yeah, so um, I'm one of those people, I had all the gear and no idea. And I... I had, I had like I remember doing a big order from your store and I did you know things I talked to all my friends I said what do I need you know like yeah. I need to know all the information because there's a high chance I could have a vaginal birth you know I can't guarantee mm-hmm. I'm going to see section so I wanted to have everything for both um so I did a lot of prep I did um the your birth project like your antenatal I did um the practical parenting antenatal which was a one-day session they do pre-birth birth and post-birth mm-hmm. uh, which I which made me feel a lot better about if I did have to have a vaginal at least I was really um informed of what that would look like mm. um and then I did a lot of research with kind of like you, you listen to all your your um, episodes. Um, Dr. Golly, I loved in mm-hmm. Australia, um, the Tiny Hearts Education and Dr. Morgan Edwards, which uh, for me, that was really good prep work. I found mm. um, I am one of those people where information is key for me and I, I need to be informed. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of prepping for the C-section, mine was quite hard because obviously the reasons why um, um, Isabella wasn't breached anymore, but um, I did have absolutely valid reasons why I wanted the C-section. But they obviously, um, being in COVID times, their staff, you know, staffing and everything is really hectic. Mm. Um, and so I knew that I was going to be at the bottom of the line to get into a C-section spot, um, which which I, you know, completely understood. So I had to play the waiting game and just be really patient. Um, I did everything and anything not to bring on labor. (laughs) I looked at all the lists on how to bring on labor and didn't do any of them Um, because I, yeah, I really wanted to have that C-section experience um, ideally. So I didn't actually get my date. You get it a week before and I was the last 
person, um, you know, from from the C-section um, list at my obstetrician's clinic. Um, so I ended up having my C-section at 39 weeks and five days. So I was just two days off my due date, which um, which was good. I just mm-hmm. obviously had to be cautious. And um, the closer I got to my due date, the more realistic I was that, you know, I could go into labor and what that looked like. Um, but prepping for it, I um, talked to a lot of friends. A lot of friends had emergency C-sections and planned C-sections. Um, and so I asked them, you know, what they needed, what the procedure looked like. I was taught me through the whole thing so that I know, you know, I know. Um, and same with my OB. I would go into our appointments with my notes on my phone and he would just laugh at me and say, okay, read me through your list and I'll give you the answers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm so glad I did that because it just made me feel so much better going into going into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also prepped my bag with um, all of your goodies and all the kind of essentials for a vaginal birth and a c-section birth I snap lock bags them all with little labels um, in my suitcase so I had a mini suitcase don't worry not a big suitcase um, and I just wanted my partner to feel um, okay and comfortable and confident if he did need to get something for me post-birth and things that he could kind of understand what everything is um, so yeah, I did a lot of that kind of prep, um, did a snack box, all of that type of thing. Like fr- I actually took fresh fruit and then one of my followers, um, bless this. So they did such great suggestions. And one of them was to take a roll of loo paper. And I thought at the time I was like, that is so random and, you know, but okay, I'll put it in. And then yeah. it was actually the best decision I ever did. Cause it just, you know, felt like a little bit of comfort, yeah. um, and quite, you know, what can be a really, um, well, it is a hectic time, but it is a really sterile uh, Mm. environment and things. And just those little things I wanted to prep um, to have. So my other key one was a speaker because we listen to music all day, every day. And I knew that that would just make me feel a bit more relaxed and Mm. remind me of home and things like that. So um, yeah, just packed all the essentials and um, yeah, kind of read over all the information booklets that they gave me and just, yeah kind of got got clued up really and and um you can only control the controllables really (laughs) indeed so do you want to talk us through um yeah what happened on the day and into your birth experience yeah so I absolutely loved um my birth and the day and um I am such an advocate I think that C-sections can, uh, especially I think older generations, you know, my parents' generation and things, they can make you feel quite scared about it all. Um, And I just thought it was the most amazing thing. And I just want people to know, you know, I know everyone's experience is different, but if that is the avenue you have to go down, um, you can have a really positive birth and a positive story. And I think mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I, I am so for it. And I absolutely loved my day. Um, I think it was kind of really methodical, which I loved, obviously, because mine was not an emergency, which mm-hmm. I know can be a whole different situation. I've had so many friends go through. But um, for me, it was very methodical. I was in there at seven. We had to have our COVID test. We had to do all that. It was on a Monday. I love the start of the week. <laughs> So it was perfect for me. Um, at around 8.45, we started the C-section and then um, she was born within like 15 minutes. Um, yeah. But it was quite a, a quite um, crazy 
experience. I didn't even feel the start or anything like that. I remember chatting away the, to the anaesthetist, asking where we could get coffee afterwards. And she, then I said to her, you know, have they started yet? And she was like, yep, you're about five minutes in. And I just could not believe that, you know. I. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and just an amazing team. Like the staffing and things are just incredible and in how they make you feel. Mm. Um, talking, you know, telling you what you want to hear and um, I would just ask questions and things like that. And, um, they would tell me what was happening. I remember feeling really shaky, which mm. they told me was a key thing, um, just with everything that's in your body. And I was uncontrollably shaking and Isaac said the same. He said, I just remember you shaking so much. Um, but I felt fine. I mm. just knew it was one of the symptoms. And I also remember feeling the weight on kind of my chest. They say it's like your chest, yeah. um, and pulling and tugging and things. Um, and then I remember uh, when he was pulling her out, he actually said, he was like, she is so slippery, I cannot get her. <laughs> um, and so he actually had to clamp um, her head, which is quite different. But he, she just had a small clamp mark and he said he just couldn't like grasp her. She was just too slippery. Um, and he got her out and we asked the nurse uh, to take a photo, but I didn't want to see anything. Anyway, she got everything um, but it was the most amazing sequence of photos there's about mm. 20 of her coming out and I'm so grateful I have them now um, but at the time it was you know I didn't really want to see too much um, and then we did skin to skin straight away um, I remember she held my little like my finger and I just remember feeling so overwhelmed and mm. like, it was the most amazing feeling um, and asking you know you didn't I was like is she okay is she breathing like you know it's it's quite crazy and just that whole experience. And then um, they actually pre-warned me, but my OB checked my tubes and ovaries at the same time as the surgery because he it saves me another surgery, but just mm. to see how everything was and if the cyst was still there. Um, and he actually pre-told me that when he does that, uh, that can actually be the most uncomfortable of the whole procedure. And he said you can feel like really, really heavy in your chest, like someone's just pushing down on you. Um, and you can get some other aches and pains. And I got it straight away. I remember I said to the lady um, who was with me, I said, I'm, I think I'm going to be sick. And I said, I'm, I'm so sorry, but you might need to take her. And, um, so they took her and um, they got me a little um, bucket and things. And I wasn't sick, but I just got this overwhelming sense that I needed to be sick. And he mm. said to me, that's because I'm, he was like looking, you know, scraping everything and looking at everything. Um, and so it was quite amazing that that was the part that I, that I felt the most. Um, and then after that, everything went well, um, with the rest of the procedure, it's done so quickly. Um, and my OB takes a lot of care, um, with, you know, he, um, 
sews your abdominals up to your tummy button and things like that. So the, all the separation and things, and um, it's just crazy what they do now these days to help you postpartum, mm-hmm. um, which I'm just so grateful for. And I think I did have that good experience because it was planned. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know that it's not always the case with emergencies and things like that. So I feel really grateful for, for that. Um, and I think that helped with my recovery and things too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, after that, everything's a bit of the bl- a blur between that and going to the recovery room. Mm-hmm. I don't, me- I don't remember a lot there. I remember trying to, I remember them putting her on and, um, trying to find how to latch. And I just remember thinking it wasn't right. I remember feeling it quite painful, um, and thinking that was kind of my priority was to sort mm. that out because I know from, you know, friends and family that that's just so important. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, after that, we went to our room at the hospital and settled in, um, had my speaker, which just made me feel <laughs> so much more at home and um, all our snacks, they were laughing at us with like our fruit bowl. <laughs> and But honestly, it just came in. It was so handy having mm. all those snacks and just some fresh fruit and yeah. things like that, that the staff are just so, you know, it's they're very understaffed and it's really hard for them. Mm. So it just made it a wee bit easier not having to ask them for bits and pieces and to just, you know, do our own thing a little bit, mm. which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And for your C-section, if we just jump back a tiny bit, so did you ask for like immediate skin to skin and all that sort of stuff or was that just something that they did? Yes. So they suggest, they said um, when I kind of did my birth plan and things, and they also went over that on the day, um, they said, you know, did I want to do skin to skin straight away and things like that. And that was absolutely what I wanted to do. Um, And so, yeah, they were really good. Um, I found that that kind of you know, it's a bit overwhelming when it's your first baby. You're not mm-hmm. too sure what you are and aren't meant to do. Um, and so I found them really informative and, um, yeah, I did everything that they kind of suggested and yeah. um, felt really comfortable with everything, which was good. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And do you remember, like, because I've had one C-section and yeah. I just remember, like, the feeling – of when you first stand up after you've had a C-section and they want you to yes. shower and all that sort of stuff. So do you want to talk us through what that sort of like initial period after your um, surgery was like? Yeah. So one thing on that, that I just had not really thought about, you know, you obviously think about it, but I love to know details. And so the night before my C-section, I YouTubed um, the first 24 hours of a C-section. Yes. It's yeah. so random, but there's so many good videos and it was so visual, not gory, like nothing to do with the actual birth, but the postpartum, like that first kind of 24 mm-hmm. hours, what to expect. And I'm so glad I watched it because just little random things that you just never think of in terms of that experience, mm-hmm. um, I found really helpful. But yeah, I was the same. So luckily my surgery was in the morning. So um, I had that whole day just to you know, rest and um, look after myself. And and I was, I did actually feel tired, even though I, you know, obviously had a good sleep and things, but I did feel tired. Um, it was really nice for Isaac and I just to have that moment together. Um, and then that night we had Isaac's parents were here from Bay of Islands. So they came to visit and also his best friend was here from the UK. Um, so he also came to visit. So by the time they ca- they left, it was about 8.30 PM. Um, and so I remember feeling a bit out of it, but I felt, I felt good. I felt really calm. Mm. I didn't feel too overwhelmed. I um, mean, obviously I was on morphine, so it was, um, you know, that makes you feel better. But um, after that, the nurse came in and asked, um, if I was ready to get up. And one of the things, I don't know if you were the same with the C-section, I vividly remember 
um, I thought my legs were straight. So I thought I was lying straight. And then I remember one of the nurses obviously was checking how much my leg was moving and she lifted the the sheet and I saw a knee out the side and I, <laughs> I, thought, I was like, what the heck? Um, yeah. And I said to Isaac, I, my legs are straight, right? And I said, that's not my knee. And he was like, no, that's your knee. And I was in a frog, <laughs> I was in a frog position. Um, and it was the most bizarre feeling because you have absolutely no feeling. Your legs feel mm. so heavy. Um, and I just honestly thought my legs were straight and I got so overwhelmed by it. Um, but then slowly I remember my toes moving and then my knees and everything kind of started to move. And by 8.30, I felt ready to get up and um mm and you know go to the see if I was okay to walk and then um get the catheter and go to the bathroom and things um and it all went really smoothly I really took a time but um I, I was lucky that I felt I felt really good I remember feeling like it was a really weird sensation um with your legs trying to move them and kind of you feel a bit like a little deer you know trying to walk for the first time it's mm. quite a bizarre feeling um but yeah it went smoothly and then that night um yeah I I had the the first night and things which uh for me the first night they always talked about the second night the first (laughs) night was uh the night for me and so I think I got one hour sleep um she just wanted to be on me and feeding Mm. and um I wanted I got Isaac to sleep that night so that I knew I was prepping for the second night so I thought (laughs) you know hopefully he can you know he'll be able to help that second night Mm. but the first night was just, yeah, so intense. She just kept crying. And so I actually ended up getting up and down a lot, which looking back, I probably shouldn't have, but I felt really good at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, that I just spent the whole night with her um, and feeding and then putting her back to sleep. And then, yeah, I just, I got absolutely no sleep. And then the next day I felt quite exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that day I remember feeling um, like I just needed to sleep a bit more and kind of get my energy back um but they came in on the morning day two and because I had been getting up and down all night and because the hospital was so busy they um said I needed to move to birth care because I was able and walking Mm. um which I understood so they took me off morphine at about 10 o'clock in the morning um and said to get ready and they would move me early afternoon um and that was all fine and I I napped quite a lot because I was so tired but I remember waking up at about one um from on and off sleeping and I was just in such pain like huge mm. amounts of pain um and they came in and they realized they hadn't given me any pain relief since I had come off morphine um and it was a miscommunication because they were so run off their feet mm. Um, and I think I have a higher pain threshold and it just came on all of a sudden. Um, so they were so apologetic and, um, just checked on me every half an hour and topped me up with, um, other medication basically until my pain threshold, you know, the pain had come Mm. to a lower threshold. Um, and so I wasn't actually able to move to birth care until about 4 PM that Mm. day, um, which was, which was fine. So that was, um, day two. And then, I yeah, it felt like checking into a hotel. It was fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed birth care, and yeah. I still found that I was still finding. I knew my latch wasn't right, and the hospital staff were so run off their feet. I felt um a bit, you know, I didn't want to trouble them too much, and yeah. I thought I'll wait till I get to birth care and just sort it out. Yeah. Um, and they were amazing. Um, as soon as I got there, they um, I one of my nipples was bleeding. Mm. Um, and so they just helped me straight away with the latch and really focused on that, which I found so helpful. Um, 
and yeah with the journey as well I just didn't want that to get worse and mm. um it's trickier than you would think yes <laughs> oh my gosh yes <laughs> I did not ex- expect the breastfeeding journey to be such a whirlwind um mm. that it is yeah for that first few weeks yeah um but yeah so after day two birth care we stayed at birth care that night and then I went home the next morning I was feeling really good um was walking around um felt yeah felt really good was just a little bit slow but doing everything on my own yeah um which is also another positive I think from a c-section I think a lot of people think um which obviously each every every single c-section is different but for me I was up and moving and um felt really good day two was yeah so went home um day three morning yeah yeah Yeah. um which was nice um yeah yeah. and then day three um my mum came from Marlborough I remember must have been coming off the medication a bit more and I remember vividly getting such bad pains all down my back um to the point where I needed to be sick um and rang my midwife and she said it was to do with coming off all the medication and the anesthetic and things um or the the um what's it called when it goes in your back the epidural epidural yeah um and she said it's, it can sometimes be that a few days later um and I was really sick vomiting and then um I only you know like a really big amount straight away and then I felt so much relief and it mm. was just I felt so much better after that yeah. um but it came on really strong and I wasn't I wasn't prepared for that um mm. and felt a wee bit scared that I had left birth care at that moment because I was home and thought maybe I should have stayed for another night and um had that support but luckily it felt okay after that you know initial um period and then yeah just focused on settling in at home and trying to yeah it's quite a quite a whirlwind um but I was in such a newborn bubble um Mm. yeah which I loved so I absolutely loved getting home and setting up with our little family and you know entering that new chapter yeah yeah amazing and did you notice like any of the baby blues or yeah could you feel like you know you'd have these crazy hormonal shifts throughout those first few weeks and months but how did you find that yeah so I remember my friend who was pregnant she said to me I must have been like 10 days into to having Isabella and she was like have you just been crying all the time and I'm quite an emotional person and I was like oh I actually haven't cried once and I said that is bizarre because I thought I'd be crying yeah. every day yeah. from the hormones and things and I said it's it's got to be coming like it's it's surely you know something's happening but I was in <laughs> just this like amazing um mm. I just loved it she was so good I I felt it was just meant to be it was just yeah. everything you know they do say it kind of comes naturally but I just loved the whole experience um and so the first two weeks I was in pure bliss and I was working like she would um I was like this is great I shall sleep I was getting like five hours of work done a day it was ridiculous and I thought oh I can do this this is all working out and then um I think it was like two exactly two weeks and then just she woke up and then, um, <laughs> and then that's when I was crying you know I did I felt so overwhelmed I thought I don't know if I'm doing things right. I don't know what to do. Mm. Google was not my best friend then. There was just too many answers. Um, I found it really overwhelming. I think, you know, when all your families left, both of our families are not based in Auckland. Um, it's pretty, and it's, you know, yeah, it's overwhelming. It's a whole new thing. And I think mm. the reality hit of like, this is my new life. Like this, this is my future. Mm. Um, there's no, there's no, you know, it's just, 
changed from here on out mm-hmm. um obviously for the best but it's it's an overwhelming time for sure so um actually at that time I I think it was closer to three weeks I think I tried to kind of power through for a week um just really focus on myself Isaac was an amazing support and a lot of our friends well everyone has kids basically but a lot of us actually all had babies around the similar time so um I was really fortunate I was the last of our friend group to have um a baby so I leaned on them a lot which mm-hmm. was nice um and had a really good support network but I also then realized I am the kind of person I just want all the knowledge from one mm-hmm. one place and I think that's why I loved the OB experience and things like that and so I um got Hattie from a sister mama to come over she um has an amazing service she's a newborn specialist and she comes for three hours and just sits with you and um experiences your baby and you and she's really focused on both the mother and the baby um and she just she's like she honestly is like a sister in the way that she nurtures and Mm. um just gives you that confidence and she has really amazing tips and advice for things that you are struggling with um so yeah I just absolutely loved seeing her it changed my world and was the best money I spent um definitely postpartum um and found her advice and guidance really really good um and so yeah from three weeks um I felt a lot more confident after that and just kind of I'd learned to surrender I think Mm -hmm. the thing was um I can't control everything Mm -hmm. and you know that once I learned to surrender I kind of had to forget about work to be honest I couldn't I just wanted to focus on her and that was when I I loved it even more because I um I just yeah focused solely on her for for a few weeks mm. um and loved that and then um yeah so I've actually had Hattie at the eight week mark as well um Isabella seems to kind of go through those developments or phases as they say a week or two early and so every time she's kind of you know hit the shits at the fan again I've um <laughs> I've got Hattie in um so I got her three weeks eight weeks and then I was trying to prep for the four month regression and kind of I just love having information so I'm prepared um but then um yeah recently I rang Hattie and I was like I don't know what's going on but she's just her sleep's gone absolutely sideways and she said I hate to say it but you're in the thick of the fourth month Mm -hmm. like um the regression now and um she's just been the most amazing support with with everything and anything to do with Mm -hmm. that newborn phase because it is a it is a wave and there's amazing there's the best of the best and then there's the hardest of the hardest so it's been nice to have someone for that guidance and support that just knows all the answers or can help yeah. you navigate it. Yeah, such a good idea. I wish we could like yeah, her times a million, right? Because, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's so like a... oh, it's, yeah, so good. And so I've got vouchers um, for her because I just think it's the best present now yeah. uh, for friends that it's just, I think that three-week mark, you've, you've got your groove a little bit more, you understand your baby a bit more. Um, mm. You know, you're, you, you've probably gone through some great things and some really, really hard things, mm. no matter what, what, you know, mine was great at the start and then bad and people were vice versa. So I think it's a yeah. great time to kind of get that, get that experience and, and yeah. go from there. Yeah. And yeah. with your business, like you sort of said, you took like the first couple of weeks, you were still working. Did, were you set up to not be working? Like, how did that look for you? Yeah, so I think um, I was set up to not be, I was, I always knew I was going to be doing about 15% of my workload. Yeah. Um, so 
I always knew that was going to be tough because I think being a founder of your own business, well, for me, I definitely can't step away a hundred percent. And I tried to let go of everything I could. I leaned on a lot of friends who had businesses prior um, and they were really brutal and basically said, look, you, you can't do, you know, I had told them what I thought I was going to be doing and they said, I hate to say it, but you're not going to be able to do that. So you need to prep. Um, and hand off as much as you can. So I handed off 15%, uh, all, all of it apart from 15% roughly. Um, but then, yeah, it's I actually ended up having to go back to work full-time from I think she was six weeks, yeah. um, which has been the hardest bit of my mm-hmm. postpartum journey for sure. Um, I found that a real struggle with, you know, I just want to be a mum. And I never thought I would have an identity crisis and an identity shift. I've always... I always thought I would have that perfect balance with motherhood and running a business, but she is just my sole priority. Mm. And so it's a focus of mine now just to change up um, how that work structure looks for 2023. Mm. Um, I've just got to kind of run with it now for the rest of the year. Um, But, you know, obviously daycare and um, things like that. Um, But yeah, it's been, it's been really tough. I I Mm. take my hat off to all those working mums. It's hard. They're such beautiful little babies and you want to spend all that time with them and soak Mm. up, soak that up. It goes so fast. So fast. And it's so hard, right? Like that identity sort of shift that you can't explain because I think before you, like even when you're pregnant, you sort of, you can still like pour yourself into your work and it's such a big part of your identity and who you are like deep within and then all of a sudden you have this baby and sometimes it's like actually nothing else really matters to me apart from this little human that I've created and I think it's such a shift it's like yeah I can relate yeah it's a huge shift and I think I've been I've been kind to myself I told myself I want to I have such a great support network of um, new mums and friends and we go for walks and you know I've started swimming lessons with her she's three months and can't do a thing (laughs) but she loves it Um, and I wanted to I don't want to sacrifice any of that for my work and so I work I actually get a second kind of wave at night and then I work in her naps and then anything when she's awake I do not work there's no work happening because I just want to spend all that time with her um if I can't get something done it's fine I'm like Mm. it's not the end of the world I can move it um and I've just learned that I have to change change the priorities and change how that kind of workflow is um and yeah you can you can do it it's just it's just a shift like you say yeah sure yeah and what about your physical recovery from your c-section how have you found that I actually felt really good um I felt you know I I felt really good um I think I started I took it really easy I did I got back into kind of walking one week after I did 10 minutes and then um they kind of suggested usually as you add on another 10 each week so by six weeks if you're feeling good you can walk an hour yeah. Um, which I felt fine. Um, so I felt, I couldn't believe it. I felt back to normal after, you know, like five days to a week. Yeah. I could not believe how quick the recovery is. I remember my mom coming at day three and I was, you know, if we had all our family coming and I was walking around the house, like doing the cleaning. I didn't vacuum is the one thing. I didn't bend down or do anything like that, but um, I felt really good. And I went mm. off painkillers and things within four days, um, which I didn't think that was, I thought I'd be on painkillers for a while, but I felt it was amazing. I just um, definitely took it easy, but I was really surprised at how quick mm. um, the body can recover from something like that in terms yeah. of, yeah, yeah. So um, like I say, everyone's very different and I'm, you know, I feel very fortunate and I think, um, yeah, 
it's it was it was a really good recovery from from what yeah yeah what I was hoping I guess yeah awesome and how have you and Isaac sort of like adjusted and you know it's obviously such a huge shift in a relationship adding a little baby to your family so how have you yeah um yeah we have loved being parents um Mm -hmm. I don't think we have ever been happier. Um, he is such a great dad. Um, and he he was, when we um, were trying, I knew that we both had the conversation that if we did decide to try when we did, that we knew he was, he just started his business. It's only been going for a year, um, modular housing, and he had all these jobs booked in. So we've got all these deliveries of houses um, and batches and things like that, basically from now for the next kind of six months is the the it's, it's a huge delivery time. Yeah. Um, so he's been traveling for work since quite early on. Um, so I've had to navigate, you know, doing nights and things on my own. Um, I try to only do a couple, like three max at a time, um, but it's still scary. Um, yeah. And I just have to get prepped, you know, I get meals and all of that, you know, ready. Yeah. Um, so I don't have to cook and just make my life a little bit easier. But he, yeah, we have loved it. And I think, for us, it's brought us even closer together. Mm. Um, it is the one thing I would say, I wish the men could could feel our hormone shifts and things yes. like that because yeah. it's so hard to explain. And I do feel it must be hard for them as well because some days you're, you do just feel naturally more down and some mm. days, you know, um, and you know, I, I've said this to so many people and I feel like you will know this and every mum will know this, but you just don't feel yourself sometimes. Yeah. Um, especially those first three months, I feel like I'm just kind of coming through the other side um, and you have brain fog and you mm. just, it's an overwhelming sensation and it is the identity shift. Um, and it is so nice to have a partner who will just let you, let mm. you talk. Um, <laughs> and they, you, they might not be able to offer a lot, you know, a lot of advice as such. They can't fix the issue, but just to have their support to, that they can listen to you. And, mm. um, you know, there's tears and there's happy moments and there's everything in between. But yeah. I do think um, you come through the other side. And I always said to myself, the first 12 weeks, everyone says are the hardest and I'm such a week by week person I said it's just 12 Mondays like just <laughs> tick off like as soon as you get to another Monday you've ticked another one off and it's just yeah. 12 Mondays um and so I do really think it yeah having that kind of that mindset um mm-hmm. helped, helped me get through a lot and um and yeah we've we've never been stronger really but um it is it is overwhelming for sure (laughs) yeah yeah cool awesome and just before we close how has your breastfeeding journey gone since birth care and sort of getting that latch sort of what does that look like yeah um so I got mastitis in week one oh Um, I hate mastitis hate it yeah I forgot about that yeah so I got mastitis week one which was not ideal um I think I think I had I had Isabella on the Monday and I knew I was getting it on the Saturday. Um, we had had all of our family down from or you know from all over New Zealand to meet Isabella. Um, and I remember thinking I was really sore and inside my boob though. Um, and a friend had just had mastitis and I rang her straight away as soon as everyone left and said. Um, 
it, can you remind me of what your symptoms were? And I had all of them. I had like the hot flushes, you know, mm. it was really cold. I always had this throbbing um, boob. Um, yeah, it was awful. And luckily um, my OB had actually given me a thing of antibiotics uh, um, yeah. when I left birth care because he said, look, there's a high chance something's going to, you know, could happen. Mm. Um, and he had, he said, just keep it with you. And then um, if you need it, you've got it. And I was so grateful because I called my midwife straight away and told her the symptoms. And she said, yep, you've got mastitis. And because it was a Saturday too, just navigating how to get antibiotics. Yeah. You know, it's not the easiest sometimes on a weekend with getting appointments yeah. and stuff. I was so grateful that I had yeah. and could just take it straight away. Um, so that was the worst. And then the nipples obviously were very sore for a while. I used, <laughs> I used the silverettes at the start and then um, then I started to favour more the um, gel pads. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so after that, um, I've, yeah, I got on a flow and I started to really enjoy it. Um, the one thing I found the hardest was pumping, at, at, you know, to be able to give myself a bit of freedom mm-hmm. with work and appointments and things and we introduced the bottle quite early at three two or three weeks maybe um for Isaac to do the night feed and to have that bonding um which he's loved and he does bath time as well and just loves that coming home Mm. from work and being able to do that and have their time um but I found it really stressful pumping and also Mm. I was tired at night um and I decided at two months um, that I was going to start mix feeding, which I'm so glad I did. I think mm-hmm. for my my mindset and my mental health and everything, um, it's just been a game changer. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, you know, now when we're recording, usually I would have to feed and Isaac's just able to give her a formula feed. Yeah. Um, so I do two, a lunch, a lunch formula feed just before she goes down and then a night feed, we do formula feed as well. And then I'll just slowly increase that as, as I need, but it's just given us so much more freedom. Um, and yeah, I feel like it's a bit of a taboo subject, especially Mm. in New Zealand. I think all my friends in Aussie mix fed a lot of them from day one and, um, even yeah, around that kind of two month mark or three month mark and chatting to them just made me feel so much more confident, Um, and comfortable because, yeah, I think you just have to do what you have to do at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, And it's worked. She's, she's loved it. She's been healthy and she's a little chubber, chubber, um, got all the roles. So um, (laughs) she's fine. And as long as, you know, you've got a happy, healthy baby, it's it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I can relate with the mixed feeding, I think, but both my kids have been mixed fed and then fully formula fed from pretty young ages. But yeah. um, I just think like the pumping and some people just do it right. Like it's not yeah. a not a thing yeah. for me. I was just like, I can't, I look at that pump and I just want to fucking throw it against the wall. I hate it. Yeah. I do not want to use it. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, oh, it's just, yeah, I did it for the first two months, like I said, yeah. every night. And man, it's just, I felt, it just, and also just you with your relationship too. Mm. I didn't love sitting there when you're, you know, and you've already had this baby and pregnant and there's all these things with your body. And then you feel like a cow, like just sitting there with, you know, watching TV, trying to have like this nice moment with your partner. And then, Mm. um, yeah, no, for me, it was, I was the same as you. It it had to go early. So Mm. yeah, I think that's completely fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Beck, for coming on the podcast. I've really loved talking to you. And yeah, I know there'll be lots of others out there who really enjoy your story. So I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you loved it and I hope you tune in next week for another awesome birth story. A reminder that this week's episode was brought to you by Your Birth Project, the online hypnobirthing course you need to create your best birth. So many exciting things coming from Your Birth Project soon, so make sure you're following along at Your Birth Project on Instagram. All right, I will talk to you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.